0: Hello and welcome to another Lockdown edition of Keeping It Current. This week we're talking about the tragic death of George Floyd and scrutinising Donald Trump's response to the protests that have subsequently followed. We're also talking about the rollout of the UK government's track and trace system as well as the easing of some lockdown restrictions. Plus we have a Dominic Cummings-themed political singathon, the return of Guess Who's Talking and the second round of the Battle of the Wits. We've also got political analysis
1: from Is It A Bird? Is it a plane? No, it's Jacob Reed. <laughs> so it's not the first time I've been likened to a bird or a plane. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so let's get cracking then, first we're talking about the recent tragic events in America. Last week an unarmed man named George Floyd was killed by police officers in Minneapolis. This, the event occurred after a Delhi employer called 911 accusing him of buying cigarettes with a counterfeit $20 bill. 17 minutes after the first car arrived at the scene George Floyd was unconscious and pinned beneath three police officers showing no signs of life This is simply unacceptable if this was a white man would this have happened? I extremely doubt it and he wasn't a threat to members of the public. He didn't have a weapon They didn't give him a chance to even explain himself. So this is one of the most hideous crimes I've come across in recent history. What do you think about it, Jacob?
1: Yeah, I think you summed it up. I, I've got to admit the video of his murder is going shocking. around on Simply social shocking. media. Yeah, and I just I haven't, I should and I will, but I haven't brought myself to watch it all because it's it's cold-blooded murder. I mean, what was it? They they had his neck um, um, ne- in that hold and for three minutes after he was unconscious i mean what the hell did they think they were doing mm-hmm. and it, it it reminds me um of the, the film we studied in french ray level latin it's about very similar films about racism police brutality riots poverty and there's one point when one of the good police officers is helping the protagonists and he says you know we're we're, we're here to protect people and you he retorts but who protects us from you and it's really hard because mm-hmm. i i feel and I, i'm sure you feel thomas as well but yeah. when we see a when we see a bobby on the street we we, we feel safe we feel like they're on our side like that they are there to protect us but for so many people that's not the case not just in america but here as well we didn't have slavery but we have a record to be ashamed of with racism and systemic racism that still exists today and and we need we need to and white people need to understand it better yeah much better we need to you know we need to start thinking about race this isn't something i think about when i wake up in the morning i don't think about the color of my skin and because of that it doesn't dawn on me that other people have to other people have to other people have to be taught by their parents what to do and what not to do when a police officer comes to be completely um you know almost motionless to avoid any any confrontation any excuse of 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 and it's just it, it's, it's crazy and we've got, we've got to get our head around this and god damn
0: it, we've got to do something. Yeah, because I mean, you shouldn't be scared of the people who are meant to protect you. And if they're... That... That's, it's simply shocking, that the fact that we're in 2020, we're in the 21st century, we've had all, like, different legislation imposed regarding, like, uh, gay rights, uh, civil rights and stuff like that. And... Stuff like this is still going on. It's it's frankly shocking when you think about the diverse
1: culture we're living. So yeah, I mean, um, I I think I think what you say, Thomas, it applies both to the US where this happened, but also to the UK. Um, so so going back into the the fifties and sixties, was, it was commonplace to see signs in shops that said no Irish, no dogs no blacks um, Enoch Powell in his Rivers of Blood speech um, to stir up fears of immigration said in 20 years time in this country the black man will hold the whip over the white man and he got, he,
2: he he was
1: very popular, opinion polls show that he was one of the most popular politicians in the country his supporters were marching on Downing Street shouting Powell for PM and you look at this Smevic. In the 1960s, a, a parliamentary constituency, and if you look how their their candidate, their conservative candidate, although racism was a problem that both big parties, um, arguably still is, you look at how he won. The, the slogan that he used, which I won't repeat, it's shocking. And then even today, um, the, the 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 murder of Stephen Lawrence, a uh, just an an everyday A-level student who happened to have. Colored skin murdered by four white thugs, and no charges were brought. Were brought, um, it, finally they were in I think 2013, which is not long ago. And a report concluded that the Metropolitan Police is institutionally racist. These are big kind of headline things that make the news, but in the everyday experience, it's the looks of 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 mistrust that people get when they are walking down the streets it's the fact that subconsciously you are more likely to warm to someone if they look like and sound like you so mm-hmm. if you're for example a black man going into an interview with a white man and um, that can make a subconscious difference on the part of the interviewer. so it's not enough to be yeah. color blind it's not enough to 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 say you know race shouldn't matter and to me doesn't matter we've got to acknowledge that there is is such a deep standing prejudice that 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 this is a problem and we can't just dismiss it and absolve ourselves from responsibility by pretending there isn't
0: yeah i i understand because that there's always been a problem with racism in america it's been going on far too long even you think after all the civil rights movements what people like Martin Luther King did Rosa Parks and the Montgomery bus boycotts, and the Obamas have done towards eradicating racism. It's like seeing that this is still going on today. It feels like that's been for nothing almost, because it just
1: seems to be part of the fabric in America. Are you going to say something? Jane? Well, I think the tragic. Yeah, the tragic thing is that um, Obama said, um, this was in the book of Ben Rhodes, one of his uh, foreign, policy Obama's, uh, for, foreign policy advisors, after Trump's election, Obama was reflecting on well, how was he, was he personally responsible, Obama, for Trump's election? And he said to Ben Rhodes, he said, maybe I came 20 years too early, maybe America wasn't ready for me, a black president but it's and and maybe with Trump and with um this whole idea that um there's a group of white supremacists at Charlottesville who kill a kill an anti fascist processor, but there are good people on both sides um it's you know surely surely things are going in the right direction and and you hope you hope that the renewed attention this has got has surely got to change something. But um, unfortunately, I think we would be a lot more optimistic about change if it was someone like Obama in the White House as opposed to someone like Trump. Yeah, what I'm going to
0: say now is just, like, I've got a bit of, like, a coronavirus uh, analogy of it. The fact that, say, racism's the virus. And the thing is, it only gets realised when you have a symptom. And I believe that Donald Trump is the key symptom of... is a symptom of racism, because, you see, a man in high power who's peddling all this on social media uh, and the like, and it's, he's what the, gets the virus, the disease, that is racism recognised, and it spreads from person to person, from household to household across the country and even across the world. And throughout his tenure, there have been several moments that ep- epitomise this such as his comments about banning Muslims from coming into America, as well as the tweet he made after the Unite the Right march in Charlottesville in 2017, where one person died and many others were injured. He said "You also had many fine people injured on both sides. Jacob, do you think that Trump is to blame for the re-emergence of racism in America?
1: Um, I don't and um, i think i think re-em- when you say reemergence i think it he, never he never perhaps, went but the re-publicizing or something yeah and i mean i mean the the, the the shocking thing to think is that if if a civilian wasn't there to film with his phone and share the video of the murder of george floyd then we would quite possibly never know about it, and how many similar cases go on where there isn't someone to film it, so we can't know about it. In terms of Trump, um, certainly, when you have a a person in a suit in the White House with such a democratic mandate, who is widely, the role that's widely considered the most powerful in the world, and he comes out with things like that, it legitimises this sort of behavior, for example, I was saying about Enoch Powell in this country um, that there was an increase in what was what, what was called packy bashing afterwards, which is as you know dreadful as it sounds and lots of people doing that said that what that would do it and would chant powell powell now the chances are they would have done it anyway, but they used a high profile politician to legitimise their actions. And the, the two things you mention with Trump's blatant racism, it doesn't stop there. For example, the, uh, what what do they call it, the quad, the squad of four, those young those young Democrats, when um, he, I- I- including uh, Alexandru C- Azio-Cortez, Azzur- uh, yes, um, when, when he tweeted that they should go back home when I think three of them were born in the United States and it's just because they, they weren't white. And equally, um, one thing that's perhaps not talked about that much is his insistence, insistence on calling it the China virus, the Chinese virus. I saw yeah. a picture that he had his uh, a, a set of remarks in front of him that he was delivering about the coronavirus and he crossed out corona and wrote over it chinese china if that stirred up obviously it stirred up um um sentiment and racism towards mm. asian americans and it doesn't it doesn't take a genius to work out so so i think i think um frankly trump has blood on his hands although i agree equally he's a symptom perhaps yeah. and not just a cause
0: yeah the fact that he's um it's always been there. It's always been rooted in America. If you, you'll see the uh, stories over the years that like it's always been there. And um, the thing is, there's I've seen some stuff. There's been some good stuff on TV about racism recently, especially. I think it was a storyline on Coronation Street recently, which um, Baroness Lawrence, the mother of Stephen Lawrence, who you are talking about, advised them on. And it was about one of the, uh, uh, the a black family were introduced to Coronation Street. Uh, last year, and basically, uh, the father was building at the restaurant, and basically, what happened was that he was getting these snidey, racist comments from the from the, his boss, and basically, he was um, he fought he fought back from it, and he gave such an empowering speech, which was it was really emotional and heartfelt, and you wouldn't think of that something like that being in a soap opera, and you don't you don't really think that that should be it shouldn't be highlighted in as program as popular as coronation street in the modern day and there's also i i remember yeah yeah continue jacob
1: sorry i was gonna say i mean um i've got to admit i don't watch coronation street or EastEnders. but if you if you look back since they started they've had a surprising and very very positive impact on society when when they take an issue that is perhaps tabooed in the public, um, and they they show it in a real life context, and people people's opinion really change around that. For example, they they showed in the 1960s, um, people having divorces and abortions, and when viewers understand understood. The, the, the terrible difficulty that the characters were in they they kind of understood better the reasons for divorce the reasons for abortion and, and that changed social opinion equally in the 1990s they saw they saw a, a character whose name sits in my mind living with hiv now there was huge stigma about hiv but to see that that yeah. that a, a normal person a person everyone liked could just happen to get it um it really broke down some of the stigma and it's great to see that they're they're doing it again but I agree that it's startling to think that it's necessary in twenty twenty that storylines like this and they've also they also did a home of herbie abuse
0: storyline as well and it's baffling the fact that they're having to be highlighted nowadays as well and also i'm going to go back onto a thing uh, a show that was on about two years ago it was the Rosa Parks episode Doctor Who, and I didn't really know that much about Rosa Parks. I will have heard about her in, uh, like, conversations or on history programmes on the television, but I never really knew the story. And I think that shows something bad about our education, that we're not educated from a young age about racism in our schools in or through, like, exterior speakers coming in, you know.
1: I think I've seen um, on on social media. There's been lots of calls for people to 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 act to in tangible steps in response to the the murder of George Floyd. And one of the steps is to write to Gavin Williamson, the Education Secretary, demanding. I think they call it a black curriculum. So one that um, that doesn't just consider the benefits of the British Empire, but one that also considers the the the, the very negative parts and, and the slavery as well, the slave trade, which I think undoubtedly... For example, um, there is one thing, I, re- I remember our history teacher saying, there's one thing that students must be taught according to a national curriculum for history, and it's the Holocaust, and you understand it, that you know, that is very important to yeah. learn about. But then, when you um, compare the number of deaths from the Holocaust to the number of deaths um, by the British Empire, whether it's uh, putting down revolts, whether it's, for example, um, starvation in India, because we were taking away all of their natural resources to sell ourselves to, to get the profits from, uh, huge numbers died as well. And we don't learn about it.
0: Yeah, because I, I was going to say as well about the u.s civil rights movements that they're not including in the history syllabus about G.C.C. and the fact that people obviously have the opportunity to drop history and they not may not be educated on that stuff at lower down the school even though you might not have the greatest understanding of it you still deserve to be given some education about it
1: exactly well um, i am um... Um, the, the things I was talking about, like um, Smivik, um Enoch Powell, uh, Stephen Lawrence, I only know about because of the A level uh, British History syllabus. And I very naively thought before that that we, you know, in the UK, we didn't have slavery. We were comparatively good, um, or at least less bad on the on, on our record of racism. And it's just not true. But if you don't learn about it, you've got to be proactive to find out and and, and inevitably we're, we're not, it makes so much more sense for it to be it, it to be there, it to be taught to us mm-hmm. um.
0: So I'm now going to come on to read out this tweet which was tweeted yesterday from Newcastle United fullback DeAndre Yedlin who's a mixed race American and he said a couple of days after George Floyd's death my grandfather texted me and told me He's glad that I'm not living in the U.S. right now because he would fear for my life as a young black man. You shouldn't be afraid of living, whoever you are. You've got to be judged for who you are as a person. The fact that you can't go around and say, uh, hey, there you, I don't like you because you're a bit too slim or you're a bit too fat or the colour of your skin, I, I don't like it. And it's, it's dreadful. And... Uh, what I'm going to ask you now, Jacob, is: Do you believe that racism can be rooted out of America, allowing people to live their lives without looking over their shoulders constantly?
1: Um, as a, uh, and I think we'll apply the question to to here as well. Um, as an optimist, I'd like to say yes, and I I think as well that um it's very hard to hate. It's very hard to hold a prejudice when you know someone personally. So in the abstract, maybe it is. But as soon as you know someone, as soon as you get past whatever prejudice we're talking about and you get on to talking about the weather or your love of Formula One or the last book you read or, or watching Ant and Dec Saturday Takeaway, people realise that we have a, a lot more in common than what divides us. But the process to that point is a long one, some opinions are very much entrenched and it has to, it ha, there has to be an effort by us, the, the privileged white majority, to understand what's going on and to, to take action and to, to use our white privilege for this cause which um is far from a given so i think it is possible but we need it's far from inevitable
0: yeah, thank you very much for some of that insightful analysis there jacob so now it's time to shift focus back across the uk and talk about the government's test and trace scheme last thursday the government launched its new test and trace scheme earlier than expected basically what happens is that if you say that you have coronavirus symptoms the normal procedure will follow. You get tested and you wait for your results. But the contact tracers will ask you when if you test positive, who you've been in close contact with and when they will then they will ask you to sell the pers- the people who have been in close contact with someone who's tested COVID positive to self isolate at home. Jacob, do you think this system is the rule beating one that Boris Johnson promised? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I I think it's um, it remains to be seen. Um, I think it can only be good as good as the testing regime, because um, if if so, about two thousand people a day have been testing positive for coronavirus. But from the population samples, they think about eight thousand people a day have been getting the coronavirus. So if 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 only a quarter of the people who need to go through the test and trace system are going through the test and trace system, then you can understand that that will limit its effectiveness. You might also suggest that the effectiveness of such a system, um, or oh, such a system, would have been much more effective three months ago in March or in February even when you had a similar number of small number of cases but to nip it in a bud like Germany did like South Korea is but obviously it's an important step and, and people called for it before restrictions were and and um, and we'll see how it works
0: yeah indeed we will see how it works and then um, but there has been some suggestions for the fact that it was rolled out earlier that people seem to think it was Uh, used as a distraction to the whole Dominic Cummings saga. Cumgate, as we like to put it here. Do you think it was a bit of a distraction to the Dominic Cummings
1: saga? Um... I think it's certainly possible. I think Boris is very good at distra- political distraction. For example, the day that the most senior civil servant in the Home Office resigned, accused Priti Patel of bullying staff, and opened up a lawsuit, uh, a few hours later Boris announced that him and Kerry were expecting a baby. Um, is it is it something like that again? One thing that I think also um. Uh, It's worth noting is that test and trace is up and running but without the app the app which was um which was being trialed is still being trialed yeah um but that is a much more effective way of doing things instead of having to rack your brains and think oh well i saw john but that was from three meters away and i saw i saw thomas but that was that was six days ago, so it's okay. The app will do everything for you, and that is not mm-hmm. yet in place, and surely it would make it more effective yeah, for more people more used it. Yeah, easier to understand and get the grip of. So
0: uh, there's also the fact that those asked to self-isolate may not comp- comply with the uh, request. Those who have to isolate will be put on a statutory sick pay, which is a measly £95.85 per week which is hardly enough for a weekly shop for people if you're feeding a whole family. Jacob, do you think that people will comply given that they're going to have to be put on statutory sick pay?
1: I mean that could certainly put people in a lot of financial difficulty but also I think a lot of people will feel a, a sense of civil duty, civil, civic obligation to do so if it's possible that they could be carrying the coronavirus, or equally that that, that they could be uh, at risk from it. Yeah, indeed.
0: Okay, so thank you very much, Sir Now it's time to talk about the easing of the lockdown measures. Last week, it was announced by the Prime Minister that people were allowed to meet in groups of six in outdoor spaces, outdoor spaces including private gardens. Distance of course. But unlike the devolved administrations, the UK hasn't set a limit on the number of different households represented in England in this group of six. Jacob, do you believe that Boris Johnson should have put a limit on the number of households households involved in these type of gatherings?
1: Um maybe. I mean, um, i I mean it's it's nice to be able to see um several several friends at once. It's a privilege that I uh, have not not yet exercised but looking forward to it um i I suspect fair thinking was that the more conditions you put on it so like the scottish government you can meet eight people but from two, two households, two households yeah. um maybe the more confused people would get and they wanted to simplify it equally the scottish system makes sense because you know if you know, two two families meeting or you know or, 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 or your family and your grandparents yeah, so um
0: just to go on about that just the fact that do you think that people may be more inclined to break the rules in terms of having uh, adding to the group, maybe sneaking a seventh or eighth person?
1: Um, I I I think it's possible. I think you would hope that you know six six people is enough for 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 most of us. But I think it's difficult as well because you 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 can never you can never tell for sure others people from the same household yeah, are, yeah, they yeah. Not, yeah, yeah. Um, are they not are they really that far apart and I, I, I think as well when, when the loosenings are happening it kind of sends the message that things are less are getting less serious as they were so it'd be interesting to hear from the government scientific advisors what they think yeah. of the compliance with these new rules yeah groups. and whether the data that comes out in the next
0: couple of weeks whether that's going to whether there might be a little spike or you know second wave, the forbidden second wave maybe. So uh, also the government has announced that those most vulnerable to the virus that have been shielding are now able to see one other person with them having to follow strict social distancing rules as we all are doing. Jacob, with the death toll still increasing, do you think that this move is a bit premature given that these people are so vulnerable to the virus? (coughs)
1: Um, hard to tell it did seem to come very suddenly. Yeah, there were questions like, about it, there had been kind of no updates, and then.
0: Yeah, it was like when uh, I think it would come out on Sunday night, it was just like, right, you can do it from tomorrow morning. It was like, oh, what what, what? You've been, you've been telling these people to stay inside? <laughs> oh, and, oh, oh, oh. In close, and like, looking can outside, my word. You know, the fact that.
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I. I mean, I think.
1: I think... The t- I think, um, it... Although, although... Go on, go on, go on, Jacob, go on.
0: You go, Thomas. Uh, no, <laughs> it's kind of a start, but not much notice. It's in a certain, It's in, like, say, for example, like, someone's like, right, we're going... We're going a holiday. It's like, right, you can go tomorrow. We're going tomorrow morning, in a sense,
1: isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. I, I think in terms of, um in terms of how people re- will respond to it you've got to remember that if you were if you are one of these people who the government recommended you should be she- shielding that was only a recommendation they couldn't enforce it and so inevitably some people won't have they will have thought that they can exercise outside carefully enough for example um and and so i think i think you'll see that some people will remain very cautious they they won't even want to see one person socially distance. Other for other people that will be a lifeline after after ten weeks of shielding.
0: Yes, indeed it will be. So now it's time to talk about the other news. Right, due to due to some technical difficulties, Jacob Reed is now joining us on the phone, as uh, Skype seems to be working on a, de- a bit of a, de- a delay today. Oh,
2: we should have been on Zoom, Thomas.
0: Should have been on Zoom, yeah. Skype's just B Tech Zoom. Okay. This <laughs> this week, news emerged that Premier League football will return on the seventeenth of June, after it was approved by the government. To avoid gatherings at stadiums, all the remaining ninety-two games will be broadcasted on television, with four games being broadcast by the BBC in a historic move, while Sky Sports are making 24, 25 of their remaining. Games available for free, as well as Amazon Prime making their four games available for free. Also, it's been announced that international cricket will return, with England hosting the West Indies in a three-match Test series. with The games being hosted in Southampton and Manchester, to them both having hotels at the ground. Formula One is also returning on the 3rd of July, with a double bill in Austria. Other bills include other races include a <coughs> door bill in the UK, as well as the races in. Hungary, Spain, Belgium and Italy. Then it is hoped that the action will move to Asia, Oceania, the Americas and the Middle East. Jacob, are you looking forward to the return of sport in the UK? I am
2: absolutely looking forward to the return of Formula One in the UK, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and any,
0: are you looking forward to watching the football, Jacob? You know, Live on free to our television, you know? busy schedule at the minute. I have got quite a lot of things on so I don't think I'll get around to watch So that. So, so, you, you, so so you so you're not gonna watch um, a bit of Burnley versus Brighton? As much as I'm a big Brighton fan bigger
2: a bigger Brighton fan than the next man You know, I've got, you can't see because we're not on Skype anymore, but I've got all my Brighton memorabilia along
0: the wall because of size shirts and a football from the big game, um, but, um, but maybe not. So, uh, on to uh, another story this week, MPs were unhappy with Jacob Rees' multi-proposals to vote on a return to regular voting from the online system but MPs were required to go to Westminster and vote in person for his change. This led to there being five different lines and votes taking up to half an hour due to social distancing having to be maintained. Also, several MPs weren't able to vote as they are either on the shielding list or uh, unable to attend due to, ironically, childcare issues. Jacob, do you think that Jacob Rees-Mogg, your namesake, was unreasonable in asking MPs to do this?
2: When you put someone from the uh, 18th century uh, install them as the leader of the House of Commons. I think in so many aspects of life, things have been pioneered, have gone online um, so quickly. And indeed, the same happened for the House of Commons, the hybrid chamber, where you had uh, some MPs appearing by Zoom, some sitting in the chamber and online voting. Um, it seems to me that it's just, uh, it, 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 it's just not the time not the time at all to reverse the change You know, yeah. are you are you really saying that um, people from the tick of Scotland should be getting the train all the way down when the government advises them still to avoid public transport Is just not, not necessary when they have a system up
0: and running yeah I think the MP for uh, Shetland and the Orkney Islands can, said I travelled 16 hours today uh well, the the whole island's on lockdown to get uh, to get to Westminster to make my vote. <laughs> <laughs> as much as it is exciting standing in a queue and then walking through one of the lobbies in in Westminster, maybe
2: it's not worth a sixteen hour commute.
0: Yeah, indeed, indeed. I don't think it's worth a sixteen hour commute to go to the Houses of Parliament. Unless you're Jacob Reed who will travel uh massive fifty hours to get to the Houses of Parliament. <laughs> Now it's time for the next instalment of Guess Who's Talking. This is Guess Who's Talking, the game that requires Jacob and myself to match up quotes with the politicians that said it. The first two weeks saw draws, while in the third week Jacob was victorious by a narrow uh, scoreline of two points to one. So now it's time to guess who's talking. I'm guessing first, Jacob, take it away.
2: Okay, quote number one. I said I would do all that I could to ensure a strong, stable and principled government was formed able to tackle Britain's economic and political challenges effectively. Okay. Quote quote number two. I do not feel that Mr Cummings followed the spirit of the guidance. I can well understand the anger. Okay. Quote number three, I don't think other people in the world would share the view that there is mounting chaos in this country. Okay. And quote number four, one thing you have got to do politically
0: is to identify the ties that bind society together and try to strengthen them. Okay. And the four politicians are, Theresa May, Boris Johnson, Gordon and, and Jim Callahan. Okay, so the first one is stro- Strong and Stable. Theresa May's catchphrase was Strong and Stable. So, I'm going to say the first one was Theresa... No, actually, no. Because Theresa May came out and condemned Dominic Cummings last week, but she said to brush it down the carpet. So, the second one I'm going to say is Theresa May. Uh, what was the third one, Jacob?
2: Uh, I don't think other people in the world would share the view that there is mountain chaos in this country.
0: Don't think. That doesn't sound like Boris Johnson wouldn't admit that there's mountain chaos in the country. I think because Gordon Brown, would he say that? I think Gordon Brown would say that. And then the first one I'm going to go with Boris Johnson and the last one I'm going to go with Callaghan. Okay, do you
2: want
0: the results? Uh, yes please, Mr. Ray, yes please. You got
2: one out of
0: four. Oh, my God, again. So the first one, strong, stable, and Principal
2: Government, was actually Gordon Brown in his what? resignation speech. <laughs> Shot up a coalition, he was suggesting that the Tories and ends, it would just be a marriage of convenience, so it wouldn't be strong, stable, or principle, But of
0: course, we know strong and stable much better from our friend Theresa May. Yes. Um, so I put that one in to try and make you think it was Theresa May, but you got hers right, number two. Uh, a rebuke of Dominic Cummings in a letter to her constituency I don't feel he followed the spirit of the guidance I can well understand the anger Mm -hmm. Uh, number three about mounting chaos in this
2: country was Jim Callaghan he said that after coming back from some international summit when the uh, winter of discontent was getting going and it very infamously the sun but a title the next day, Crisis What Crisis? Uh-huh. Um, and
0: finally, it uh, was Boris Johnson, and I picked one about buying society together <laughs> because it just doesn't really sound okay. like <laughs> it. Okay, so uh, now it's your turn to guess, Jacob. So, okay. the quotes are: Number one, ever since going to university, I've accumulated new debt and new means of being indebted. Number 2. You can't defend the indefensible. Anything you say sounds self-serving and hypocritical. Number 3. So I went into government with a clear mind about what the problems were and what needed to be done. And number 4. There are no great limits to growth because there are no limits of human intelligence, imagination and wonder. Your politicians are, Jacob Reed, Vince Cable, Michael Gove, Ronald Reagan and Diane Abbott. <laughs>
2: oh, that's, um, that's a very um, Mixed a, a w- a wonderfully diverse group of politicians there. <laughs> uh, and I've got to tell you because I have absolutely no idea. Um, I feel like um, Vince Cable might there's something about university and debt. Um, make the Lib Dems had that pledge in 2010 not to raise tuition fees. But I, I feel like it's more of a go thing to say about being indebted to people. So I'm going to say that that almost goes. Okay.
0: um,
2: oh, um just. <laughs> The one thing that we know is that Diane Abbott didn't say she entered government with a clear mind of what she wanted to do, because she yeah. was never in government. <laughs> um, in fact, let me change that. Let me say that Diane Ablett said about the debt. Okay, okay. Michael Gove said about seeming self-serving. is certainly an acquisition that's been leveled at him before. Okay. I'll say Vince Cable said about that going into government with a clear mind, maybe it was justifying his position in the coalition.
1: Okay. And as a result, I'll say the, the
2: wonderful, uh, it's morning like in America rhetoric of no limit to human ingenuity belongs to former Hollywood actor Ronald Reagan.
0: Dicky Braid, you have victors once again. You scored two points so okay. So, you were correct with I went to government with a clear mind, that was indeed Vince Cable and there are no great limits to growth, that was indeed Ronald Reagan. Uh, but you got ever since I, uh, going up to university, you had it right the first time, that was Michael Gove. And okay. number two, you can't defend the indefensible. Un- anything you say sounds self-serving and hypocritical, that was Diane Abbott. Okay. So uh, that's the end of Guess Who's Talking. Now it's time for a special Dominic Cummings edition of Political Singathon. This is Political Singathon, the part of the show where I put a political spin on a hit song. This week I'm destroying 500 Miles by the Famous. This is based on the Dominic Cummings fiasco, not my personal views. Jacob Reed, lay down a beat. Dun, dun, dun. Oh take him, take him, take 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 that that's the chorus. Can you go there just like Yeah, there you go. When you got COVID, you're meant to isolate but the rules they don't apply to me. So I start the car, rev the engine up, I tell the neighbors that I won't be going far. Then I go north, then I go north. Go to see my mom and dad to see if they can take the kid from the press. We had to keep this hid. I went north to sixteen miles, and I'll go to sixteen more just to pour my kid off them and, and COVID to my mom and dad. So the elderly, so the elderly. La 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 Sub the elderly, sub the elderly, sub the elderly, sub the elderly. La 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 When you got COVID, you get fuzzy eyes, so I need to test them out so I can drive. So it's out the car, take the kids, also coincidence, that is Mary's birthday. So I head west, so I head west just because I can't get an eye test, just because I can't get an eye test. I went north to 60 miles and I went west 30 more, my eyes needed a quick test, just a coincidence There's Mary's birthday. Sod the public, sod the public, sod the public, sod the public. I don't care what they think. Sod the public, sod the public, sod the public, sod the public. I don't care what they think. I went north to 16 miles while I was meant to be at home. I was the man that divided the nation and Boris still kept me in the job Oh, that's a good isn't it, Jacob Reed? <laughs> okay, now it's time for the second round of the Battle of the Wits This is the Battle of the Wits A game where we are pitted against each other using game show formats. Last week we played Brain, and the scores are rolling after uh, last week were Jacob 9, Thomas 12, Oh, we got a 3 point lead. But this week we're the only podcaster that doesn't say watch the adverts quiz them. This week we're playing quiz the ads not win the ads for copyright reasons. Now what's going to happen is that we're going to give each other uh, 5 multiple choice questions about British TV adverts And each correct question is worth two points to the overall total. We're really ramping it up, aren't we, Jacob? ramping it
2: up. We're we're burning through the budget. We're, you know, really going all out today.
0: So, let's play Quiz the Ads. Not win the ads, for copyright reasons. So, Jacob's up first, and I'll be asking the question. So, Jacob Reed, question one Which company dropped its Here Come the Girls advertising in favour of Let's Feel Good to seek a more diverse audience? Was it A, Superdrug? Was it B, Body Shop? Was it C, Lush? Or was it D, Boots? I think mean, it was D, Boots. Okay, Jacob Reed, correct. It's two uh... points. Presenting, presenting duo Anton Deck it appeared in adverts for which British supermarket? Was it A. Sainsbury's? Was it B. Morrison's? Was it C. Aldi? Or D. Tesco? Oh, there I'm not sure. I know if they, did, um, they did something
2: on Saturday Night and Tesco's. But I want to say Morrison's. Um, I'll
0: say, I'll, I'll say Is that your final answer, Jacob Reed? Yes. Yeah. Correct, another two points. Right, question three. A large gorilla sitting at a drum kit playing along to Phil Collins' in the air tonight was used to advertise which product? Was it A. Mars Bar, B. Snickers, C. Cadbury Dairy Milk Chocolate or D. Cream Egg?
2: Cadbury Dairy Milk Chocolate, C.
0: That's correct, another two points for Jacob breed. Question 4. Which Hollywood actor appears in the advertising campaign for mobile network EE? Is it A, Adam Sandler? Is it B, Robert Downey Jr? Is it C, Matt Damon? Or D, Kevin Bacon? Um, I, by process of elimination, I tell you Thomas, I think it's D, Kevin. Bacon, and I really would like a <laughs> right now. Uh, that's correct, Jacob Reed, 8.8 8 out of 8, can you get 10 out of 10? In 2006, which product launched its first ever Christmas advertising campaign with a parody of the cartoon, The Snowman? Was it A, Iron Brew, B, Ribena, C, Robinson Squash, or D, Fanta? It was A, Iron Brew. Correct, Jacob, you got 10, 10 points. Oh, I'm, I'm elated, Thomas. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you am going to be answering the questions now, so Jacob, take your it away.
2: Okay, so the first question, Mr. Is which of these was the tagline to an Apple marketing campaign? A, think differently, B, think different, C, think very differently, or D, we are different. Is it B, think different? It is, Mr Ridley. Ah, yes. Question number two. Sergey is a well-known meerkat who advertises to comparethemarket.com. What are the names of two of his companions? A, Vladimir and Olaf. B, <laughs> Oksana and Olaf. C, Alexander and Oleg. On D, and Jacob. What?
0: A- Alexander's the meerkat. Mhm. And two of his... Can you go through the answers, the options again? So, Sergei is a one of meerkat who are his companions? Vladimir and Olaf... Oh, Sergei, I thought you said Alexander. All oh, right, okay. I thought Sergei was going to be one of the answers, so I was going to go for that one. Uh,
2: And Olaf, Oksana and Olaf, Alexander
0: and Oleg, or Thomas and Dick. It's Alexander and Oleg. It is indeed, Mr. Rudy.
2: Question number three. What is the real name of the opera singer on the Go Compera?
0: Oh, God. (laughs) Is it A. Wyn Evans, B. Luciano Perotti, C. Simon Kino side or D Lawrence Brownley? I think I think he's from Wales because I do remember saying, saying something from, that he's from Wales. so I'm going to go for A Wyn Evans.
2: Yes, that's right, Mr. Jersey. And question
0: four: What was Hotel Shocker's recent Christmas advertising campaign? Oh God, I don't know. <laughs> Was it A Tasty of importance, <laughs> B
2: Chocolate
0: than rice. Right, C more cocoa less sugar. Or D rules
2: of Christmas etiquette. I think it'd be more cocoa and less sugar. Mr. Ridley. That's not right. More no <laughs>
0: That's not a good tagline at all. Well, you should have been watching the ads. Have um, you the, seen that you, on the TV for Hotel Chocolat? You need, to, you need to play, not the quiz, play the
2: man. And the man here works in Hotel Chocolat. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And now the, the final question, which I will pretend I haven't just Googled and made up on the spot because I thought we were only meant to do four questions. So the final question... Um, concerns the John Lewis advert with the man on the moon. Specifically, which year did it come out? Was it 2014,
0: 2015, 2016 or 2017? I think
2: I'm going to go with 2015. Mr Izzy, is that your final answer?
0: Yes, it is my final answer. That's correct! Oh, yay! So, congratulations, you got 4 out of 5 right, so 8 out of 10 points. So, Jacob wins this week, 10-8, but it rolls over to next week, which is... The scores have gone up to... 18... 20! Ooh. Ooh! Ooh! Nothing, nothing to... So uh, now it's time for a review of this week's show. It's been a great show, hasn't it, Jacob? Yeah, I think it has. I think it has, Thomas. So join us next week. Well, we will be joined by a special guest. I don't know who yet, and we'll have round three of the Battle of the Wits. And we're just let so you guys know we're going to be sending out another survey about doing a live Keeping It Current Wednesday safe to do so. Uh, so it would be different to a normal show as we'll try to incorporate some kind of variety elements to it, like having some variety apps on and stuff like that. And if you know that you definitely want to come, then you can get in touch with me personally or via the Keeping It Current social media pages. Facebook just Keeping It Current, Twitter at current underscore IT, Instagram at Current 2019 or you can email us at keepingitcurrent@outlook.com, all in lowercase. case. So thank you very much to Jacob Reed for some tip-top, top-notch political analysis, as well as his great uh, beat setting. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to forget that, um, but
2: thank you, Thomas.
0: <laughs> and thank you to you guys for listening. Please join us next week, where we won't be keeping it cool, but we will be keeping keep it current. current. Goodbye.